Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we're going to be taking a look at a couple cutesy games, I guess? Yeah, family-friendly. One's going to be the game called Flamecraft, and then we're going to be taking a look at Creature Comforts. And then in our discussion topic, we're actually going to be talking about miniatures. But before we get into any of that... Oh. We need to revisit, once again, (laughs) the nerd conversation. Because despite all my efforts, Natasha is never going to admit she's a nerd. So we're at game night this past Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting down to play a game. And it it comes up, like the whole nerd thing. And the best part about it is I was just like, Natasha, like, you are a nerd. And everyone (laughs) at the table just like looks at you almost dumbfounded <laughs> because they're you're like no nah, i'm not i felt very attacked what was what your husband say he said i am a nerd because i'm only into one thing and i don't socialize and i said i absolutely socialize i play board games with my friends all the time and i'm not only into one thing i also play softball and i socialize with those guys at practice yeah so the whole socialization thing i'm gonna i am i am gonna agree with you on that one that you you do socialize even in the board games Everyone there is like, Natasha, you're you're a nerd. And (laughs) funny, Zoe's just like, just accept it, honey. (laughs) Accept that you're a nerd. And I'm like, you have a board game podcast. You have a board game collection. You have a space dedicated in your house to play specifically board games. You have, you know, friends over for game nights and things like that. Like all these, you're checking all the boxes. Of being like really into one thing. Is that what makes a a nerd? nerd? I don't think board games make you a nerd. Why not? I think your like level of like commitment into like one particular hobby maybe is what makes you a nerd. And you have not reached that commitment in the game. Maybe that would that maybe that would put me over the edge. So which is why I keep I keep that part of me like um private, you know, and other parts of the board game and the board gaming thing? Yeah. Like I mean I do talk about board games with like my friend, like my coworkers and stuff, but I try to limit it to like you know, like very casual. Like I try not to like talk about board games as much as I want to. So I hide it well. It boggles my mind that you do not accept your nerdism. Like why do you insist you are not a nerd? Because I'm cool looking. I look cool. I think we've talked about this before. How cool I am. Oh my God. <laughs> You're Natasha. I, I hate to tell you this. Like I, I feel obligated to inform you, mm-hmm. given your age yep. and you your your kid's age, you are not cool. <laughs> what? Okay, okay. I dress really cool. I look cool. I walk out and I go out. I look nice. I wear oh, nice ma- clothes. I do my hair nice. I usually wear makeup. I look D- nice. The fact that, listen, I, when I, okay, just because you dress quote unquote cool or dress nice and do all these things does not necessarily make you cool. You might be cool to like like our circle of friends. They might think you're cool and interesting and want to hang out with you. But outside of that group, you're not going to be nearly as cool as what you might think. Do you legitimately feel cool when you're discussing board games with your coworkers? No, that's why I don't do it. Nerd. There you go. You're a nerd. Like flat out. But Done done it is what it is yeah no well and to be fair you accepted it after everyone berated you yeah i led the i led the charge to like let's make natasha realize what she is Mm -hmm. you're like okay i'm a nerd and like Mm -hmm. here we are again you're like "Eh, i don't know Eh, maybe not Uh, i don't think so i don't know they were just attacking me you know giving me you deserve you deserve it you deserve it so much She, you don't, you guys don't see her true colors on this podcast nearly as much as like when she's in a group of people with her, like when she's in her element. Yeah, you deserved all that. (laughs) Nerd discussion closed. I am a nerd. I accept it. I'm cool with it. Natasha. I like being around nerds. They're like my favorite people. Because you're part of the culture. Because I fit in really well with them. Because you are a nerd. I want, I want to hear you say. Because I'm a cool nerd. Fine. There, I said it. Okay, you need to you need to eliminate cool in that statement. Just say <laughs> no. just say I'm a nerd. Just say I'm it. a cool nerd, and I look cool. 
we're gonna get your kids on here. We're gonna we're gonna ask them what they think. We'll see what it is. Anyway, let's get to let's talk some games. All right, what do you got? Oh, we played Flame Flamecraft this week. So cute. I don't know if you've seen the box yet, but it is this delightful little game about dragons. So it, this is uh, designed by Manny Vega. Art is by Sandara Tang, and it's published by Cardboard Academy. So it's a contract-fulfilling, light worker placement game. In this game, players are trying to earn the most reputation by helping the shopkeepers and artisan dragons kind of grow the town. So on your turn, you can just do one of two things. You can go to a, a shop, and you can collect all the goods there. Once you're there, you can then um, fire up one of the dragons, which is kind of gives you a special ability there. Um, and then if there's any kind of text on the card, you can do that the the uh, shop special ability as well. Or you can go to the top to the shop to enchant it. So when you enchant it, it that's where the contract fulfillment comes in. You've got these enchantment cards that are out that are available to everybody. If you've got all the goods to fulfill that contract or that enchantment, you can turn on those goods. You earn some victory points. And then that um, shop now becomes enchanted. So whenever anybody goes there again, you'll, they'll get another special ability card. So it's really quite simple. You um, are either collecting goods or turning the goods in and earning some victory points. And then throughout the game, you kind of collect these these fancy dragon cards. And the fancy dragon cards will give you points at the end of the game or throughout the game. Uh, what makes this game so incredibly charming is the artwork and then the flavor within the game. So it's got this adorable art of these cutesy little dragons that are just so adorable and then the art of the towns and the shops are all adorable i like the way that even the people are super cute um and then it's got all these little cutesy um, puns and everything which is really funny it's just over the top a, an adorable game and it's so fun to play because because of the artwork and the just how enchanting it is i see what you did there um <laughs> i agree this game from the artwork standpoint, is great. Like, the artwork in it is really good. There's, like you said, the puns on the different shops are really cool. I really like that. It adds this, like, level of flavor for the, the game. All the dragons are named, and, like, they're cutesy names. Like, one of them's Hot Dog and Brisket, like the meat dragons. They're all the, the meat dragons. They have meat-related names. Super cute. It's very a very approachable graphic design in it. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's definitely the theme is cool because again it's these cutesy dragons the we happen to play the Kickstarter version which had some really nice you know bits to it obviously but even yeah. the basic version looks pretty good yeah it still comes with a neoprene mat it's still really nice quality it just comes with chits instead of wooden tokens and and it's only forty dollars like the the base game is only forty dollars the deluxe is ninety it's really really nice but. It's that's the separation is between forty and ninety. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know if it warrants that jump because the bits are cool, but they're not quite as special as a fifty dollar difference. Yeah. The biggest difference is you get these miniatures of the dragons, mm-hmm. whereas in the regular game you get like these standees, but they almost look screen printed. They're little, they're but they're nice, thick, chunky wooden ones. So yeah, they're, they're actually pretty nice. Like those would be fine. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say the the $50 does not, it, it, it that comes with difference these does not. incredibly chunky coins too, the deluxe. The metal range. coins, yeah. Yeah, yeah super yeah. chunky deluxe coins. Yeah, I don't know that it's worth it. I think if you're, I mean, unless you're, you like getting all the super deluxe stuff, then it's really, really nice by all means. But yeah. otherwise it's, I think go for the the lower price game is just fine. Yeah, the, the gameplay for the most part is pretty simple. You move to a spot, you can't stay on the same shop you already are. You can go to any of the other shops that are available, and then you either activate that shop, collecting a bunch of resources, you know, activating a dragon, which it gives you opportunities to do like specific uh, certain combos and stuff. Because one of the dragons, I didn't say when you do an enchantment, then you get to activate all of the dragons in that shop, which is really fun. Is that, that that's another big part of the game? Well, you're using the resources you gather from the shop to basically enchant it, and then you're getting all the dragon's powers. And the dragon's powers are actually pretty cool. They'll either give you resources. There's ones that let you swap with mm-hmm. a different dragon on the board, which is nice. So gameplay-wise, it's pretty simple. And you can, like I said, you can go to any shop. And if you go to a shop with other dragons, you're basically just giving them a resource. Mm-hmm. You know, so if there's two people there, you give out two resources, whatever, no big deal. Because so, sometimes you can collect a ton of resources 
going to a specific spot. Yeah, and you don't always need all of them. There's another dragon that lets you gift a resource to any other player and gives you two points, which is actually a really good deal considering like how many points you get when you do turn your resources for an enchantment card. You can yeah. earn a lot of points yep. that way too. It's a really it's a really positive game. Like you're always giving people things, you're never taking away. It's a lot of interaction, but all positive. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent it is. I because uh, all you're really ever doing is you're either giving resources to somebody, or even if you are giving resources, in the case of the green dragon, I mean you're getting points, which is actually a decent rate too. So yeah, I can definitely see that. And then when you're enchanting it, you're basically making it a more lucrative spot for other players to go to. So the game kind of escalates, yeah. Yeah, it has this nice escalation, right? So at first you're only collecting some and then you can go to these spots and you're collecting a ton of resources and it has this nice ramping effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a couple, couple things. So one, the way the game board is set up, it is very long and narrow, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you're placing these shop cards just around this long board, Okay. And then you're placing dragons on the three different spots on the on the shop because there's three little like slot areas where you're setting dragons down, right? This it's a problem very similar to a game called Ex Libris, where you have a bunch of these tiles, not tiles. You have these boards out, and that you're sending people and you're activating these boards. Well, the biggest thing that like Ex Libris suffers from is the in- inability to read them. And I often found myself looking at the board, not being able to necessarily read what's going on on the far side because it wasn't that close to me. Mm-hmm. Now, they they help with this problem in some ways because all the dragons, there's, what, six, eight? Six, yep. So there's you know these different dragons, but then you get a player aid that tells you what they do. And it's not like... Three red dragons do three different things. All the red dragons do the exact same action. Mm-hmm. So you do have this thing so you can see, all right, that's a red dragon. It's going to do that. But it does like one of the things that you're drawing additional dragons, which are kind of on the o- other side. So you can't like you can see what the color they are, but there's just something about the way it's set up. It just bugs me that I can't see it because then some of the shops have a specific text. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem is I don't, well, I don't know what necessarily what that says. So I have to kind of get up and look at it. Be like, oh, okay. All right. That's what it does. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what it does because I'm not paying attention. And then I have to figure it out again. Like that to me was a, it's somewhat of a weird choice with it because it can be distracting to the overall gameplay. Sure. It, it's certainly a big table hog. It's a little bit of, of work to set up, you know. I think this game would is really great for for families. I would say older families, not young kids or anything. It's um, but if you have kids that play a lot of games, I think that they would have no trouble playing this game if they're you know it's not too complicated. But oftentimes when I get a game out to play with my kids, like I don't like to mess with a ton of pieces and components. I like games that are real quick to set up and quick to tear down. For some reason, I just that bugs me when I'm playing like a lot of kids games. You know, where I was, when I'm playing with my friends, I don't mind a game that takes a little bit longer to set up and take tear down. So it, it's a little bit of a setup, yeah. And they determined that that was a lie. Well, yeah, because no, you guys don't wait. Do it. Yeah, well, you just yeah, because you just want to get to that gameplay. Like you won't even sit through rules. You get so like grumpy about that. Anyway, mm-hmm. continue with your thought. Yeah, so I think I think it's a great family weight game. I would agree, and i th- I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be attractive to a lot of families based on the way. It just the overall aesthetic is. Mm-hmm. I think it's very positive, except for those few pieces that I I don't particularly care for. And part of it is so on the front side, you have what you can do, and then on the back side of your player aid is what the dragons do. Maybe it would be a little bit better if they just gave you a couple different player aids instead of flipping it. I know it's not that big of a deal, but it's kind of annoying, especially because you should just be able to read the cards and know what they do. But you learn it really quickly. By the end of the game, you've learned what all, they all Yeah, do. you have a pretty, you really have a pretty good idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree that the, it's a table hog, you know, but it is what it is. I think it's well worth setting up and, and, and to play, and I think it's really, really an adorable game. What would you rate it? Um, I would rate it a seven. I think I'm going to give it a seven as well. 
uh, when we played it, I remember you were asking me like, well, what do you think? And my instant reaction was, it's okay. Like I can, and the thing is, I might end up owning this game specifically for a couple of reasons. One, it's $40 retail. Mm -hmm. It has uh, really nice artwork and it has the type of artwork that I think kids will really like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I, it, it reminds me of like kids book artwork. Yeah, but the the puns and everything are super cute. I think adults would like it just as much. I think this is a game you'd play with your friends too. It reminds me of like those Pixar movies where like they they include adult jokes just to keep the adults happy that the kids just don't understand, <laughs> right? Like some of those puns. But yeah, I think the gameplay was pretty decent. It just my it felt fine. Like it was fine. Yeah, I think if it if it didn't have such charming artwork, it probably wouldn't hold its own weight for how simple it is. You know, but but there's some fun decisions in there because there's a, quite a bit you can do on your turn. You can go to any of the shops. They're all going to have different dragons that are going to trigger. You know, what what resources do you want to get? What enchantments do you want to try to, you know, save up for? And then you can pull off a fun some fun combos when you can then lay another dragon or, or whatnot. You can do a few different fun things. And there's a few different ways to get points. And I like the, the special ability dragons that give you extra points. It's got enough in it to make some good quality decisions. Overall, it's fairly light but i think it's a lot of fun i think the thing it lacks for me is tension it just it doesn't feel very tense yeah because you can you can just go anywhere and do anything you know yeah i mean it costs you resources so sometimes you don't want to do that but it just lacks that general like don't go to that mm -hmm. spot there's a few times where you might want to do what they're doing and play a dragon there and they're taking that over so there is a little bit of that but ve it's very very light yeah yeah i didn't feel any sort of tension I yeah, would say. I yeah. would recommend this game for people that like really um, like laid back style games that, that, that don't yeah. like a lot of tension. You're right. I think that probably is what's missing from me is that there's just not a lot of like the, there's a lot of decisions, but they're all kind of good. So, yeah, there's just no tension there. So if you like those those lighter games, if you've got people in your family that aren't, aren't super competitive and don't like things get you know ruining their plan, getting things taken away from them, this might be a great game for them. I think this is a, a game that would belong on like target shelves. I agree a hundred percent. I was just going to say, I think it reminds me a little bit of like wingspan mm -hmm. where it's a very clean kind of design. And I think a lot of people are going to really like this game. Yeah. It's a, it's a step up from a basic game. You know, it's still got a lot more to it than um, some of the basic mass market games. You know, it's even it's, I would say it's heavier than a lot of Phil Walker Harding games. But I think the, the artwork and the charm of it will just make it worth it for people. Yeah. All right. That's Flamecraft. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Creature Comforts. This is a worker placement dice rolling game designed by Roberta Taylor, art by Shauna J.C. Tenney, and published by Kid Table Board Games. In this game, players are a family of forest animals working to prepare for the upcoming winter. They will do this by sending out their workers to gather resources so they can cook, knit, and craft comforts to make their den as snug and cozy as possible. Creature Comforts is played over the course of eight rounds, which represent the different months leading up to winter. Each round begins by revealing a new traveler, which has two functions. One, it's an immediate or round power, and the second being a worker spot for the current month. The power could be uh, an additional resource at worker spots, discounts on construction, placing a, neighbor, uh, placing a neighbor's worker, you know, things like that. Next up, each player will roll two of their family dice they have. To activate the different worker spots, you're going to need certain dice values. Next, players will simultaneously place their workers on the board. This is an interesting part of the game because players will have a total of six dice to activate the various spots on the board, which provide the resources you need to gra craft the different comfort cards you acquire. But players have only rolled two dice. The remaining four dice are community dice, that do not get rolled until after the players have placed their workers. So you have to kind of hedge your bets on what you think might be rolled. After players have placed their workers, the first player rolls the four community dice, and in turn order, each player will use the six dice to activate the various spots they've placed their workers. After they finish activating their workers, they can build as many comfort cards as they want, depending on the resources they have to build them, and then a new round begins. I think what makes this game interesting is the dice portion of things. So each player has two family dice, and you roll those two dice, so you have a bit of information going into the worker placement phase that you know two of the values. 
you don't know the other four. So you have no idea what they're going to be. So in some ways you just kind of, you're trying to position your workers so you can activate them depending on what those dice do. And I think it's, I think that's what makes this game interesting. And that's what holds the tension in this game. Cause it has a nice, uh, nice little twist to that whole worker placement dice rolling piece. Yes, I totally agree. I think the the worker placement is really, really fun in this game because you roll your two dice and you're like, okay, I know I have a three and a four. So I know I could definitely go to this spot, which requires a three. And, or I could definitely go to this spot, which requires maybe this one's like a seven or higher, two dice that add up to seven or higher. Or you can go to this other spot, you know, that's really lucrative, but it requires all even numbers. Well, I have one even die, but not, you know, not three like but 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 you roll four additional dice so your your odds of rolling another die that you need are pretty high you know you're you're likely to get something that you want and then once you roll those dice then you go out in this the board and you're like okay how can i manipulate these dice to get everything i want like even if i can't get everything i have got four workers maybe i'm not gonna be able to hit up every spot which ones do i want to go to and there's a lot of decision in there and when you don't when you don't use one of your workers, you get a little um, plus or minus token that you can use in the future turns. That let lesson you manipulate. Learned. Yep. Yeah, lesson learned. That lets you manipulate the dice. So then later on, you get to have a better chance of getting what you want. And I think the decisions around where to put your workers and um, then how to use the dice are really, really fun. I like that a lot. This game, in some ways, reminds me a lot of the of Flamecraft in the artworks, the really good. Mm-hmm. Has a very like cute, approachable theme. the The cards are you know well done, so it has a lot of like that warm, cozy feeling. And it's funny I say that because you're crafting essentially comfort cards. Mm-hmm. That's what they're called, right? To make your den cozy. Mm-hmm. And I really like how those comfort cards will play off of each other. So you have you crack and craft socks, but if you have ice skates, ice skates are worth an extra two points if you've crafted socks. Mm-hmm. If you have board games, they're worth additional points if you've crafted toys. So they're they they tend to play off of each other, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest difference between this game and a game like Flamecraft is this one has that tension you're looking for. Because like you said, you you know, you you roll those two dice and you're like, "All right, I really need this spot and I can activate it with the dice I have." So you place a worker there, but then you're like, all right, this is like another option. If I don't get to do it, that's fine. I'll just get a lesson learned token and it's not that big of a deal. It's it's interesting in the worker placement spot because everyone's doing it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. There's no kicking people out of spots. Anyone can go to any spot. Yeah, it's hard to call it a worker placement because of that. You know, typically worker placements like you go there and then now it's blocked. But right. these all the spots are completely open. Anybody can go to any spot. So I like that everyone's placing at the same time. That makes it quicker. Really appreciate that. The one negative that you've brought up the the last couple times we've played is the player turns take too long. Yeah. You know, there's a variety of phases in the game. I think there's like seven phases. And most of them are just roll dice, reveal thing, do a couple things. But the biggest part is going to be the player turn. Because even placing out your workers isn't that difficult. Everyone's just doing it at the same time. Yep. And it's quick. And it's quick. But then the player turns take a while because you don't know what those four dice are. So you roll those four dice and you're like, okay, that's not what I'm looking for. How can I make this work? Yeah, it takes time to think about it. And then everybody has to, we really could play kind of at the same time because nobody really takes anything, but everyone uses those same four dice. So you kind of have to like grab the dice and take one to each one of your workers so that you're keeping track of which ones you're using. So it really needs to be in turn order you know, some of the buildings you can build, you know, obviously the first person to go there can grab that building, the cards, same thing. So they do have to go in turn order. So that takes a little bit of time. That's the part that probably drags out the longest. Cause even when you're done with that, you can just say, all right, I'm going to craft, you know, comfort cards. You do your thing. Yeah. Cause that's, a, that's pretty well in, in, you know, contained to just a thing you can do and you can do as many as you want. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really, that little bit of twist, I think that's what provides the tension that I'm looking for in a game because you don't know and then you have to just make do with the with whatever you have. Mm-hmm. And in the other, there's a couple of interesting choices that they made like you play over the course of th- the three seasons, spring, summer, and fall. 
And there's certain resources that aren't available in different seasons. So, for example, one of the resources is mushrooms. This game has 8 million resource types. It's ridiculous. They have apples, wood. I think there's eight, actually. Is there eight? Is that, does that include the books? No. Then there's books and there's coins. Yes. Maybe it's so six and then books and coins. Yeah, but so there's, there's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, there's a there's there, there's a few resources. But like in some in the springtime, you don't have access to mushrooms. They just haven't grown yet. Oh yeah. Makes y- sense. You know, in uh the fall you don't have access to uh yarn for whatever mm-hmm. you know, there's just it, I think that's cool because you can be like, All right, I know I can't get this this particular thing. So I, I if I have this card in my hand, I have to plan for the future. Because I think soup requires like four mushrooms or whatever to make. Yeah. Well, you know you're not crafting that in the spring, but it could be worth a lot of points. Maybe you're trying to draw through cards in order to get the get the things that you need to like combo a bunch of points with, you know, your soup card or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would. I, this was very comparable to me to Flamecraft around the, the same um, level of heaviness. It's a great family game. It'd be a great introduction to worker placement for for younger kids that. I would say only younger kids if they play a lot of board games, you know, because it, it, it is kind of um, still a lot of components to it, a lot of rules to it. So it's not going to be for the younger kids. It's really going to be more for older ones unless they're well versed in, in playing a lot of more complicated games. But again, same level of, of heaviness, you know, same amount of rules, pretty quick and quick to and um, quick to teach and easy to learn, um, but yep. still has a lot of strategy and decision. And and what you and I both like a little bit more is the tension, you know, with the yes. dice and, and trying to manipulate that and just having a little bit more of like, ooh, I hope I get what I want. Yeah, I like the creativeness behind the different worker spots. So most of the the month cards, there's two sets of month cards. So there's usually four worker spots and they're going to have a variety of ways to use dice. Like the most lucrative spot is going to be two dice, you know, add up to less than seven or mm-hmm. three dice you know, the first die is a number plus one, plus one. So it could be three, four, five, you know, four, five, six. But those spots tend to give you the most stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that there's a they use the dice in a variety of ways, like addition. You know, they need to be sequential. They need to be even. They need to be odd. They need to be, you know, the same. There's a variety of different things that they've put in there, which I really like. And I like that every turn that you add different of those. So those four different spots are different every single round of the game. Yeah, they change, right? They're going to change round to round. And I do like that one of the things when I was teaching this game on Wednesday, because we were playing it again and I, I, I taught some new players, they go, we don't start with anything. And typically when somebody says that, they usually are just like, oh, man, like you just don't feel like you have enough time to make stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that in this game. There's some tightness to it. But not to the same extent as, let's say, a much heavier Euro. There's there's a little bit less of that, but it's still this still can be a tight game trying to squeeze in those bits of resources that you need to try to craft those comfort cards. But there's times where like there's one turn I had four in my hand and I crafted all four because I had just the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. So you can have these big impactful turns, which is nice is a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's these cards that come out throughout the game to each round is a different card. That has another worker placement stop that does um, unique things, which makes it fun. And some of them are really good for all the players, you know, and and they're like this round, everything costs one less wood. Oh, that's fun. You know, so it's just a lot of positive things. One of the cards makes you pass a worker to the player to your left and then they place your worker out, which is which is fun. I think that's the most that's probably the meanest card is somebody else is placing a worker because mm-hmm. even then like one of your uh, neighbors could give you resources and maybe they just give you they're like yeah i'm gonna give you resources you don't need or i don't think you need yeah you know and they don't necessarily know but yeah those cards for the most part tend to be pretty positive which is which i like mm-hmm. I, another great game for kids yeah i Older agree kids. i agree yeah um so what are you gonna come in at for rating oh i was debating between like a seven and a half and an eight so i think i'll land on an eight because I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed it even more the second time we played it. Um, it's it's fun, and and I I like games that are light like this. I feel like um, I can kind of have a goal or get a goal throughout the game and work towards it. I like that. It's it's still got some interesting choices and and 
I like that you can get these cards and try to focus on getting one style of cards. I had a very specific strategy this time based on the cards I ended up getting. And I really liked that. I liked that I could, you know, double down on my strategy. You know, it wasn't just randomly like, what cards am I getting? What resources? And just trying to whatever it, you know, I I thought it was really good. Yeah, Each time I've played this, I've approached it in a different way of crafting the comforts, but mm-hmm. I, I'm with you there. I was between the same two and I'm coming in at a seven and a half, mostly because it's not as like deep and complex as some of the other games is. It's a, it's a lighter game. Yeah. So for me, it's going to, it's going to lose a little bit of that, but I think overall it provides that tension that, that you and I both seem to really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this game does some really cool things. I really like that dice dice thing. And if you can't activate a worker, you get a lesson learned token, which allows you to manipulate dice la- later. So even if you can't activate a spot, you're getting something, which always feels good. I would definitely recommend giving this game a try. If you, if you like great artwork, uh, mm-hmm. a fun theme, if you enjoy the worker placement aspect, if you like, you know, dice and games, I think this is one of those games you should try. It's going to be a good family weight game. So yeah, that is uh, Creature Comforts. All right. So I've been watching the new She-Hulk on Disney+. Plus. Ooh, do you like it? It's so good. Yes. Okay. It is so good. She's really funny. And it's a, it's a lawyer show, so she's a lawyer. So it you know, goes through like her trials and stuff as She-Hulk. And um, it's really good. It's really self-aware. Like she talks to the camera a lot, but it's funny. And it, I don't know, it just it kind of, really talks about like her as a woman in the workforce and how complicated that is it, in a way that I haven't seen other shows talk about. I really like that. It's it's goofy. You know, it's Marvel, but it, it was really good. My only complaint has really bothered me. Um, so she's she's supposed to be this like dorky girl that like can't get dates and, and struggles socially, you know, until she turns into She-Hawk and then she's beautiful. Uh, like she gets bigger and her muscles are really big. And the thing that bugs me, there's two things that bug me. One, she's more beautiful. And then they also straightened her hair. So she's got like really curly hair as her natural self. And then as a she-hawk, she's got this beautiful blowout. One that bugs me that like straight hair is more beautiful than than curly hair. But that's that's a personal pet peeve. Fine, whatever. And then the other thing <laughs> that bugs me is like, I don't buy it for a second because she's like super adorable and like it's supposed to be like that, you know, nobody wants to date her because she's so dorky. And I'm like, just because she wears biggie clothes and doesn't have a lot of makeup on doesn't mean she's not super cute. Like, I just don't buy her as a dork. You know what I mean? Yeah, I haven't watched She-Hulk uh, ever since, you know, the Affinity War and, you know, they wrapped up with Thanos. I've kind of taken I've just kind of haven't been nearly as like excited for Marvel stuff. I did recently watch mm-hmm. um WandaVision. Yeah. Which uh starts off really really sluggish but ends ends really well. Um and eventually I'll get to it. I thought it was slow to start too, but it was good. Like you're like, "Ooh, next one, please." I loved that one and I loved Loki was really good. I like She-Hulk. I like them all. I haven't watched the the other one with the other guy. I don't remember. Falcon Falcon. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I haven't watched that one. And I didn't care for the new Doctor uh, Strange movie and the Thor one was fine. But yeah, they're not as not as good. But I like She-Hawk. She-Hawk was... Oh, I liked the other one too with the other girl. The Hawkeye one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. one was really good. See, I've, I just haven't... I think part of it is because the way I consume content and stuff, a series is just such a daunting task for me to take on to watch. That it just, I watched the Spider-Mans because Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel character of all time. I grew mm-hmm. up just reading a ton of Spider-Man. And this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't think Tom Holland was the best Spider-Man there ever was. But watching the last Spider-Man is kind of the last like hype that I got. That one was that really sense. good. So, that last one was really good. That was probably one of their best Marvel movies, the Spider-Man it, one. Yeah, well, I don't know. What do you think is the best Marvel movie? Oh boy, don't make me answer that. I don't know. I just loved them when they first came out, like the first Iron Man. Man, that just changed like all superhero movies for me. Like I just didn't like any of them before. I didn't like any of the um, X Men or uh, Superman ones, Batman ones. They're all just too dark. But 
what when Iron Man came out, it was so fun. You know, I just yep. and I love them all since then. Marvel has done a really good job with the MCU. They've done a really good job of mm-hmm. creating content that's good. I know they're faltering. It seems like they're faltering a little bit, you know, after, you know, like Legend of the Ten Rings and everything and some of this newer stuff. It seems like, granted, I haven't watched it, so, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Oh, but, that one was really good, though, Legend of Ten Rings. Yeah, that one was good. Doctor Strange didn't get a positive review. That one wasn't. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder didn't get a very positive review. Although I think Thor Ragnarok is probably one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time. Yeah. And and the thing is, what I don't understand is how DC sucks so bad. Oh, they're so bad. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't even want to, I, I don't even want to watch it. My, I have a coworker who loves DC. Like, Grew up with everything, and that's the thing, you know, even growing up, I was more of a Marvel fan, but there was some DC stuff that I liked, and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the Batman movies were good, and then they just started getting really terrible. The Dark Knight stuff was pretty decent. Then the Wonder Woman movie, the first one was okay, so it was like, good. okay, cool. Yeah. And the yeah, second was one was so bad. It was so bad. And then everyone's like, you got to watch Jack Snyder's, you know, Justice League. And I'm like, bro, oh. I don't have four hours to dedicate to this. I just I, I, I tried, don't have okay. the time. I tried watching it on the airplane a few years ago. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I'm on an airplane. What else am I going to do? I'm going to watch this. My husband was next to me and he started watching one of the Marvel movies. And I literally stopped watching mine, even though I was listening to it, and watched his, even though I was still listening to my movie. That's how bad the Justice League was. I thought, if there's going to be a DC movie that's good, it's going to be the Justice League, right? It should be, yeah. All of them together. It was so bad. I couldn't even... I was watching, listening to it, but watching his Marvel movie. You know, and the thing is, Marvel hasn't hit home runs every single time. Like, the X-Men stuff, they've... Like, Wolverine... Casting Hugh Jackman as Wolverine has been the best thing that I think the X-Men side or the mutant side of things is done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know, man. DC, I just can't bring myself to do it. It's just too dark. I like my superhero movies to be fun. That's true. And like uh, Black Adam comes out with The Rock and I love his, I just, if there was one celebrity, if they're like, hey, you can, you know, hang out with one celebrity for a day, it'd be, it would be The Rock, I think. Yeah. Just if I could hang out with him and Kevin Hart, I would be the happiest man alive. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like the two of them just look like that. All they're doing is ever is having fun. Oh and yeah, those I, Jumanji movies were really good. Right? Yeah, and I I really like it's coming out, and I'm kind of interested to watch it. But then I'm like, oh wait, it's a DC movie. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I feel bad for saying that, but they just haven't been good. But um, no. She Hulk was really good. I I enjoyed it. They're actually not too much of a commitment. They're pretty short, and they only have nine episodes. All of them are really short. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to get to it, but I for me the longest time it was it was such a build up to Thanos and then they wrapped it all up. Yeah. So for me like it was like complete. It was a perfect opportunity to just be done. Not to say I'm not going to hop back into it cuz like I said I watched WandaVision, partly I watched that so I can watch the new Doctor Strange movie. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I'll I'll get to it, I'm sure, but well, that's going to wrap up this segment. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, We're going to talk miniatures. All right. Welcome back. So Bob said we're going to talk about miniatures, but really what I want to talk about is painting miniatures specifically. Um, I've been working on painting my um, Rising Sun miniatures and having a lot of fun with that. And so I thought I'd talk about it a little bit because I'm an amateur painter and surprised how how fun and and easy it kind of is. And so I thought I'd share my experience with you guys and, and encourage you if you're at all interested in painting miniatures to give it a shot. I am not artistic at all. Like I've never taken an art class. I cannot draw to save my life. Like I'm really, really not artistic at all. But I did go to a few years ago when one of my friends was getting married. I went to those um, uh, wine and uh, paint classes that, you know. Were wine and canvas. Wine and canvas. Yeah. So where they teach you how to paint, you just follow along. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, oh, this kind of looks pretty good. Like, it doesn't look bad. Like, I just followed the instructions, you know? And so then I, I kind of got into that for a little bit. And I was doing some painting. Like, um, I can copy people and follow techniques and stuff. So I would do watch YouTube videos and play. I just did flowers. That's all I ever did. And I had a lot of fun with it. So when um, 
when I think the first time I painted a miniature, I took a class actually at Origins and I was like, I want to try it because I enjoy painting on canvas. Even though I'm not artistic at all, I can still figure it out. I can follow directions. And I took a class and I realized how easy it was. And, and, and I love having painted miniatures in my board game. I think it makes a huge difference. And I don't paint anything with a lot of detail. I keep it really, really simple. I don't go into any kind of detail. And it still makes such a huge difference. And, it, and it's fun to do. It's a fun little hobby. When did you, have you painted any miniatures, Bob? Yeah. So I had a very similar experience uh, when it came to doing miniatures as well. Because uh, going to Gen Con, I've always wanted to take one of the miniature painting classes and Gen Con does the all those contests and stuff like that for those miniatures. So my friends and I will always go through and look at the different miniatures and the way they were painted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really what spar- honestly what sparked me ma- painting miniatures was you because what ended up happening was you, we went to Origins, you took that class without like telling me and Jeremy you were going to do it. And I was <laughs> like, "Man, I'm kind of like I kind of want to do it, but all right, whatever." So then you painted it <laughs> you're like, it's really simple. Like, it's not that hard. Mm. And I've been, and I'm like you, I'm not, I am not artistic. I <laughs> like, I'm, my third grade teacher like failed me out of finger painting. Right. So, <laughs> but I've always been interested in painting miniatures because I always, it always looks so good. And you ended up doing it and you were like, it's real simple. You can do it. And then, so they make these uh, paint night kits. Oh, yeah. Those are awesome. This is what you should start with. Before you go out and buy anything, buy one of these kits. 100%. So they're, they're D&D miniatures, essentially. And they come with a paintbrush and they come with all the paints that you need. And mm-hmm. a lot of game stores will host like a, a miniature painting night. Or they're all connected to a YouTube video that gives you a tutorial on how to paint a mini. Yeah, it's everything you need. Yep, the right down from you know doing your your uh, base coat to your dry brushing to your wash. These ones even come uh, pre primed, so you don't even have to prime them. Yeah, and they're big too, so they're funner. It's funner to paint a big one; it's a little bit easier than a tiny little small one. It's an easier process than painting like a little tiny one. A hundred percent. That actually reminds me because I I guess you sparked me doing miniatures, but I did do some some painting of different things beforehand because i one of the one of my side hobbies is making uh castles and they're made out of uh like hydrostone or uh really dense you know like plaster think plaster paris but you know instead of being like a thousand psi this is ten thousand psi so it's a lot harder material it's a it's like a dental stone that they use to anyway so you, the Hearst Arts has these molds that you can build it and then you kind of glue them together. And I've done, I've built castles, so I understand the process of base coating, you know, highlighting and, and dry brushing. So I understood those concepts, mm-hmm. but then applying it to the miniatures. And it's actually, like you said, it's, it's not that difficult. Yeah. You, I mean, granted, it, they don't look, there are different levels of people who can do miniatures. And I'm not mm-hmm. diminishing the amount of work people put in and what they can do because the things they can do are just amazing and I'll never be able to do them. Yeah. But even basic painting of miniatures, they still look pretty good. Yeah. They have a nice presence on the table. Yeah. What I do is, so my first ones I painted um, Scythe, which is a great first start because the um, mechs are really easy to paint. There's no people, there's no clothing, no faces, you know, eyes and faces are really tough. Um, The people was a little trickier. But um, the mechs were great. And then I painted Ankh. And what I wanted to do for Ankh is I didn't want to make them look like the pictures. Like I wanted them to keep their color, uh, their pieces color. Like I wanted all the red pieces to be red. So you could tell easily looking on the board whose pieces they are. So I really kept them very monochromatic. So I would paint, I painted them all like a dark red. And then I, you know, would dry brush over a lighter color and then uh, a really light dry brush, even a lighter color. And then I went back and I would um, just paint little pieces of it. So basically everything they were wearing was just solid red, you know, and then I would paint in the maybe the armor, you know, or mm-hmm. the, the sword and their hair and their faces. And I don't even do eyes on anything that's small. I just don't even do them. And then I 
then you look at it and it's painted. It looks way better than it does when it's done. But you look at it and it's still a little kind of dull. So then you just do a wash over the whole thing and that kind of darkens the eyes and that gives the eyes enough. Like you don't need to go into these level of detail. If you are talented and you want to work your way up and, and do those kind of things that they show off at Gen Con, by all means, you can get there. But but you don't have to go into that level of detail. It can still look good. There's still something about the table presence of having those painted miniatures. and. The thing that sucks with what Simon or a lot of these companies are doing, if there's a specific player color mm-hmm. for a faction, they're no longer giving you those discs. They're, the base is the color. Yeah. So when you painted, you know, let's say the, I forget whichever faction had the, the white bases. For the most part, a lot mm-hmm. of their stuff on there is white, which kept it, you know, kept it knowing whose faction it was. Mm-hmm. But it would almost be nice if they included those bases again. Yeah, like they did for Blood Rage. Yeah, because now you know without a doubt. And when, so I, my game that I painted, which I'm not done with, is Blood Rage. <laughs> um, I have a reason why I haven't gotten back to it, but that's the one I started painting. And I've painted three out of the four factions. And most of their base colors are based on the color that they are. So, like, the blue faction has a lot of blue in it, mm-hmm. the red faction, the like, the toga and everything like that is very red. I posted a pic- pictures of all the ones I did for Ankh on our um, Instagram feed if you want to check them out. Yeah. But it, they don't look near the level of detail as a lot of other miniature painters do. But I really like the way they look. And I think they look really great on the table and they're easy to distinguish from each other. Um, I th- and I think anybody could do it. I think the only things you want to be careful of when painting, if, as long as you don't put on paint too thick, like you can just repeat it. Like you can just keep going over and over until you get it the way you like it. So even if you you screw up, it's fine. You know, just you just gotta make sure you're not putting too thick of coats on to lose that texture. If you had to give a brand new painter one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, I would yeah, just don't put thick paint on. Just go one layer at a time. I would say base coat your whole thing one color, and then you know dry brush it. A, you know, heavily dry brush it, and then lightly dry brush it with a lighter color, and then put a clear coat on, or not a clear coat, a, a, wash a wash on it. And it'll look amazing. Do the yep. whole thing solid one color. Don't even worry about skin or clothing. You can; do, it still looks better. I would just start off by trying that. Maybe. Oh, you know what I would say? Get a uh, an animal like a, a reptile or a dragon or something that doesn't wear clothing. That would be a great one to start with and practice on that because those look so good just dry brushing them as long as you've got a mini that's got a lot of uh, texture to it i did paint the goonies that came from target and those minis are really rounded and 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 like they're not creamy what's the word i'm looking for smooth you know they don't mm-hmm. have a lot of texture to them they were really hard to paint because i had to actually like draw out the 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 different um shading and stuff instead of relying on the dry brushing i do the, all the cheating ways i do it really simple I still think they look worth it. They look great. Have you tried the uh, Speed Paints by Army Painter? Nope. Okay, I just got these. And it's basically one coat and it gives you that same look as a base coat and a wash. Hmm. And I'm really interested in trying them out. I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and do it. I've just been busy with a bunch of other things. Um, But even something like those you can use the speed paints and apply a coat or two and then just be done. And you don't yeah. even have to worry about doing all those little little details or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as you as you grow and get better at it, if you want, you can always add more detail to it or you can just not. And they still look really good. Like the max that I did for Scythe, I mean, I just did a quick wash, a you know, quick dry brush over the whole thing and washed them and they looked amazing. Honestly, you could get away with just putting a wash on miniatures and they're still going to look good because you bring out all that detail. My Return to Dark Tower game, Restoration Games dry uh, washes all their minis and just having that wash on them makes them stand out and pop. Yeah, they don't look like plastic as much. Well, it gets all the detail out of it too, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, and there's a lot of, lot of youtubers that put out great videos about what to do i look first they have got a lot of them that are great for beginners there's a lot of them that go into a lot of detail and they do some really incredible work but you can just do um start off with the ones for beginners i think it's a lot of fun totally worth checking out if you're interested you know i i'd start off with what are those what's the brand you said it's a D brand with those minis 
Yeah, I um, and they're just just if you Google D and D paint night kit, it'll yeah. come up. That's what I would try for your first time because they're only like twenty bucks and they're like a big chunky mini, and you get all the paint to go with it, and mm-hmm. it's great. It it yeah. might even came with two brushes, like a small one and a bigger one. Correct. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you get you get two of them. Yeah, I think it. They're they're fun. That'd be a great place to start because who cares if you screw it up and it looks bad? Who cares? You know, you're not ruining your game or anything. But I definitely, um, you know, if you're considering it on the fence about doing it, I think you could do it, it and it's fun. I think anybody could do it, honestly. If I, that's one of those weird things to say is, if I can do it, you can do it. But legit, if Natasha and I can paint minis, <laughs> you can paint minis. You know, the only, like, th- the only thing. Okay, I see. Think here's the negative: it does hurt your back because you're kind of hunched over. Um, you do have to have a steady hand. And you have to have good lighting. Oh, the other thing I really like about it, this only works if you've got a works a workshop or someplace to set it all up. It's really, really easy to like, you set it all up and then you, you sit down for like maybe just a half an hour and you paint just a little bit and then you walk away. You don't have to like take everything out. You know, you don't have to finish it all in one turn. You can just go through and base coat all of your minis and then then walk away. You don't, you know, as long as you can clean your brushes and you you don't you're not putting extra paint out on your palette, you can just do a little bit at a time. So it's really easy. I like to just come in, do a little bit, and walk away. Like I don't sit there and spend hours doing it because otherwise my back hurts. Yeah, I for me, I've t- I've had to take a break from painting minis, and part of the reason is um, I had eye surgery, so mm. I uh, my eyesight was atrocious it was terrible i've been wearing glasses since i was six and i got uh laser vision correction and because of that i at this point i'd be fine but there was a period of time where i had difficulty focusing in on stuff like really really small Mm -hmm. um so that just kind of it gave me a break because i i didn't qualify for lasik i qualified for a different version which takes longer to heal and because of that it just I got out of the habit of doing stuff with those minis and just mm-hmm. once you get out of the habit, it can be kind of tough to like reset everything up and doing everything yeah. like that. But. I would say it's probably pretty hard if you have poor vision, you know, you want a space that's got a lot of lighting too. Well, in the whole shaky hand thing, all you have to do is hold, if you hold the mini in your one hand and then place your other hand on top of that mini, like you hold your hands together mm-hmm. and paint, like they'll move, they'll move together. So even if you have an unsteady hand, it still can be pretty steady if you were holding your hands together. Mm-hmm. Little tr- little trick I learned on YouTube. There you go. YouTube yeah. everything, you know? Yeah. If you're interested, watch a YouTube video about it. <laughs> Don't go out and buy a ton of paints. You know, you could just do a few and it'd be fine. I well, like and that's it. what I like about those paint night kits is it's not like you get just enough to paint it. You get more than enough. Mm-hmm. I still leave them out and I use those paints. They're, they're those stupid little ones that come in those... Like the for kids, you know, they have a little cap and they're all connected, but they work. I keep using mine. Yeah. All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>